0: Clap to the Lord, man. So rad. Such a radical time baptizing so many people, preaching the gospel, and reminding ourselves and remembering who Jesus is, what Jesus is doing. Because I don't know about you, but as you guys watch the news or maybe scroll through your feed or talk to the people around you, do you ever just forget that God is on the throne and the kingdom of Jesus is coming? Do you ever forget that? Because the world's not talking about that. There's all kinds of other different narratives, and people are running around screaming that the sky is falling, and rockets are dropping. Even did the rocket drop last night? Anybody know from China? Did it, okay, in the Indian Ocean. Okay, missed us. How many of you guys didn't know there was a rocket falling through the sky last night? Okay, yeah, we we're watching. We we're watching for you. It was it was it was actually going. This rocket was flying through the sky last night. Okay, it's orbiting our atmosphere, and it was beginning to come into reentry into our atmosphere. And they didn't know where it was going to drop or when it was going to drop. It was traveling 17,500 miles per hour. Okay, that's five miles a second. And that's twice as fast as I drove to get here to church this morning. (laughs) Five miles a second. Can you imagine this thing? You know, ah, it's just crazy. And it landed in the Indian Ocean right by the Maldives, I remember, last night. Crazy stuff. And so people can get distracted by so many other things that are going on. And when we come to church, when we read God's word, when we get with God's people, we need to remind ourselves, oh, yeah. The church of Jesus Christ will not be stopped. It cannot be stopped. No matter what I do, no matter what they do, no matter what we do, no matter what I think, no matter what you think, no matter what they think. See, this book we've been studying is the most scrutinized book ever to be scrutinized. It's the most read book that's ever been read in the entire history of the world. It's the first printed book. It's the first, uh, what was I going to say? It's the most stolen book. you know the most shoplifted book in all the world is the Bible? Isn't that crazy? Is that some irony there, isn't there, you know? Most read, most scrutinized, first printed, most sold. Jesus Christ, His kingdom's coming. Yet, if you're honest, though, you forget. I forget. I read the news and I look around, or I even look in the mirror. I look at my own bank account. I look at my life. I look at what I've done. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not sure if I can make it. I'm not sure if I know what's going on. I'm not sure if I have enough. And the reality is, guess what? You don't. Because it's not about you. See, we're studying First Peter chapter 5. And Peter, of all the Writers of the Bible and all the characters within the scriptures to me is one of the most relatable, because Peter almost always did exactly the opposite of what God told him to do. Remember, Jesus says, "Hey, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men." So he began to follow him. But then, in the end of Peter's story, we see Peter following Jesus afar off. We see Peter in the boat, and Jesus says, "Hey, come on the water and walk with me." And Peter begins to walk on water. Pretty soon, Peter's taking swimming lessons. We see Jesus and Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter says to, Jesus says to Peter, Come and pray with me. What's Jesus do? While he's praying, he's praying. What's Peter do? <sighs> Begins to sleep. See, Peter started out good, but then found himself failing throughout his life. This is so important because if you're like me, man, you've got some good starts. You've got some great ideas. Man, remember, that was a great idea and crash and burn. Didn't go the way I wanted it to. And I tried. And then you get shell-shocked and you get stunted. You're like, I'm not gonna try anymore, I'm not gonna make friendships anymore. Maybe you had a marriage that didn't end well. Maybe you had a relationship with a best friend and didn't end well. Maybe you had a career path, and you thought you were gonna be the best at this and it just wasn't for you. Maybe it was a life group and it didn't go well. You started Sunday school, you started teaching, you started a Bible study, and nobody showed up and you tried, but it didn't work. Here's the deal God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. God does something in us through our failures. As a matter of fact, when you fail, make sure you fail right. I said this one time to a person. I said, "Make sure you sin right." And he said, "How do you sin right? You know, tell me more." You know, Peter failed, and his failures were part of the qualification for his call. Luke twenty-two. Jesus looked at Peter and he didn't call him Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, he said it twice, that was his birth name, it was not a, a good name, his name had been changed, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you, and when you're restored, strengthen the brethren, now right then, if you're Peter, you're like, hey, time out, what'd you say, bro, you're telling me Satan wants to mess with me? But you prayed for me, right? Yeah, I prayed for you, Pete. What'd you pray for? That when you're restored, you would strengthen the brethren. (laughs) Can you pray a different prayer, Jesus? (laughs) How about pray a prayer that Satan's plan doesn't work, that I don't have to take a nosedive, I don't have to suffer bankruptcy, I don't have to have a failure, I don't have to walk through divorce, I don't have to get cancer, I don't have to go that way. Can I, is there any other route? And I have experienced, and maybe you have too, that in order to be used greatly, oftentimes you have to be hurt deeply first. Jesus had committed to Peter, I'm gonna use you, Pete. I'm going to build my church on the confession that you just made about me. Nothing can stop you. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church, the first thing you're going to write in your notes today, the first thing you're going to commit to memory is the church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. That's good news. No matter what rockets you're flying through or what things go up, what things go down, what you offer, what offer, what we do, what we don't do, it doesn't matter. This is so encouraging because as the world gets darker and weirder, (gasps) And as your health begins to be questionable and fails, you get older and as relationships are strained, what allows you to get out of bed and smile? What allows you to keep going? What allows you to step out of your boat onto that water and onto that rocky situation that the Lord has brought you? And as a matter of fact, when Jesus said, there's two groups of people, both are house builders. Some are gonna build their house on the sand. Some are gonna build their house on the rock. Both groups of people are gonna have wind and rain when I was younger, I used to read that. It's like, what if I build on, a, on Jesus? Shouldn't I, like, avoid the wind and rain part? Jesus is honest. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Both are going to get beat on. Both are going to suffer. Both are going to have difficult lives. Both people. But the ones who build on the rock, this is book, his word, his kingdom, okay, it's going to rain. There'll be wind. There will be loss. There will be suffering and sacrifice. That's what we've been learning through 1 Peter chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5. And now at the very end, as Peter comes in for a landing before his people get off the airplane, he gives them some final instructions. He says, here's what I want you to do in order to be successful. Here's what I want you to do in order to engage, in order to not lose track, in order to not lose momentum, in order to be the men and women that God wants you to be. And I'm just so glad it comes from Peter. Sometimes I find myself around influential or notable or powerful people. And I just, there's a disconnect. I'm like, dude, I'm not like these people. You know what I mean? I'm from, I'm from Lincoln County, you know? But if you know somebody has been through some stuff, you know anybody who's been through some stuff? Just look around. Maybe it's you. What if you went through your stuff on purpose? Because Jesus wants to use you in the lives of other people. What if the stuff you've gone through, though, because of the way you've computed it and processed it has left you on the shelf? I can't do it. I, I struggle with addiction. I struggle with failure. I struggle with, with immorality. And I, I have a fear of people. I don't even know if I love people, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Remember James and John, brothers, disciples? They really only loved themselves and the people around them. They didn't love other people. They wanted to kill a bunch of people that wouldn't rent a room to Jesus there at the Motel 6 in Samaria. (laughs) Remember the story? They went in to get lodging and they came back. Yeah, they don't want to rent to you, but we got a plan. We're gonna kill them all. (laughs) And Jesus said, what'd you say? You wanna (laughs) kill them all? Dang it. Back to square one. We don't kill people. What if the mistakes, the failures that you've walked in when you meet your Savior Jesus Christ in humility and in humiliation and in restoration. Because let me tell you how to sin well. Let me tell you how to fail well. You have to be restored well. Peter failed miserably. He sinned worse than most of us will ever understand. He knew Jesus for three years, face-to-face, best friends. He stabbed him in the back so hard. We've all let Jesus down. We've all made mistakes. We're all corrupt. Peter royally blew it. And so what did Jesus do? He had a meal with him. John 21, we learned this last week. Jesus cooked him a meal and asked him a few questions. Hey, hey, do you love me, Peter? Peter struggled, like, I don't know, man. Obviously not, let go of my life. Cool, feed my sheep. What? He asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, I don't know, I man, are you messing with me, bro? You saw what I just did. You saw what I, you see what I'm doing. See, Peter was fishing vocationally. He'd already been running from the Lord, quitting, coming up short. And Jesus, big smile on his face, said, I'm not letting you go. I'm going to commission you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to use you. Most of us look at our value, our worth, our influence, our ability based on what we've done. And then when we really get up the real calculator and start adding it up, we disengage like, I don't got anything. And yet Jesus continued to restore Peter. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know all things. All right, cool. I'll work with that. Go feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my lambs. Jesus commissioned Peter. So now we have this letter from Peter who writes to the church to encourage them. Maybe that's just all you needed to hear today. Maybe church is over for you. You can leave now. That your failures don't disqualify you, but through restoration, they actually qualify you and give you a stripe and a badge of honor of God's grace meeting your failure. Now you can speak in other people's lives who struggle. I remember when I got out of Jackson County Jail back in 1998, and I was devastated, my own actions, my own stupidity, my own rebellion, and I knew I'd blown it. God had a call on my life. When I was eight years old, God told me I was gonna be a pastor, and yet I went the exact opposite direction, made a mess of my life and other people's lives. And I was struggling with failure and defeat. And I said, Lord, what am I gonna do now? How am I gonna serve you? How can I, how? And the Lord spoke to me as he did to Jeremiah. Don't question what I've made. I'm gonna use you to minister to people like you. I said, oh, that's crazy. Okay, well, let's get after it. Maybe the Lord has made you and allowed you become the person you are today for a purpose not so you could compare yourself to some other person and i wish i was like that gal and i wish i was like that guy and i wish i would have never gone off the rails i wish i'd have never got divorced i wish i would have never done that wish i would have never gotten hard drugs wish i would have never had this happen to me okay yeah would have should have could have me too has jesus cooked a meal for you on the beach has jesus reached down to you and said "Do do you love me yeah i do lord all right let's rock and roll Let's rock and roll. I, what would I die for? Now, I say all that and want to counter it with this. How many of you guys know that if you decide to follow the Lord, a storm's going to brew? You would think give your life to Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Lamb of God, the slain before the foundation of the world, who rose from the dead. You, you go with him, it's going to get easy, right? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is given to the church. Woohoo! They're anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, they're in jail like, what? What's going on here? The church is getting attacks from the outside. Crazy stuff happens. Opposition arises. Acts chapter four, they're getting beaten for the faith. Like, what? Acts chapter five, it's not just outside op- oppression. It's, it's inside oppression. Ananias and Sapphira start to get all weird and stuff happens in the church and man, they die. Acts chapter 12, James gets arrested. He's cut in half, son in two. Like, what? I'm a Christian. Let me say it again what I said at the beginning. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. That doesn't mean it's not gonna be stormy. Doesn't mean there won't be failure. Doesn't mean there won't be challenges. Doesn't mean there won't be rockets flying through the sky. But you got to realize, you got to understand, though, Jesus Christ and his church won't be stopped. And my encouragement, my challenge for you is to be a part of that and not miss the boat. To give your good days, your best days, every day for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Yeah, but I feel like I'm not worthy. You're not. But I might get attacked. (laughs) You can get more than attacked. This is gonna be hardcore. The devil's gonna hate you. And I say all that to encourage you. Write this down in your notes. Peter gives us four things that I believe will help us be successful in our Christianity, in the attacks, in our failures, and in our walk with Jesus. Number one, feed on the word of God. That's what he says. Elders, feed the flock. That's just not them to us. That's everyone to everyone. Feed on the word of God. Become a person of the word of God. Memorize the scripture. Share the scripture. Read the scripture. Make time for the scripture. You want to be strong in the race of God? You got to know the word of God. Spend the rest of your life doing this. Know it, sow it, and grow it. This is what we do. You guys know this is going to take time, don't you? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take energy. It's going to have to take a decision. And I'm here as your pastor to encourage you to do that, to encourage myself, okay? First thing you want to write down there, be a person of the word. Feed on the word of God. Number two is to follow your shepherd. Hear his voice. He says in verse four of chapter five, he says that the chief shepherd will appear. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you're gonna be just fine. You guys ever get your eyes off Jesus before? Let me say it differently. You ever put your eyes on Jesus in the middle of the storm? It's so awesome. In the middle of everything, all the chaos, all the crazy, all the defeat, all the difficulty. If you focus on Jesus, it's like, oh, we good. Like when David went to go fight the giant, he was focused on God, not a problem. When Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, he was focused on God, not a problem. Not a problem. When the three amigos were thrown in the fire, focused on God, not a problem. When you get focused on any other thing, oh man, you got problems, okay? Feed on the word of God, find your shepherd, focus on your shepherd, follow your shepherd. Number three, find your people. We're gonna talk about that today. You know you can't do this alone? You can't do Christianity alone. I'm just gonna tell you right now, you're not gonna be a fruitful Christian. This is why we have life groups all over the coast, up and down the coast, year round. That's why we encourage you. Let me say it in a way that you might resonate with, Finding your people, committing to people, relating with people, growing with people is not easy. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen from some introvert out there? You know what I'm talking about, man. That doesn't mean that you don't try. Doesn't mean that you don't commit to it. The proverb says, "He who wants friends must he himself be friendly." Trip out. That'd be the smartest thing you ever. heard. Nobody likes me. You know? Are you friendly? Well, what are you talking about? You know. Take it first, man, think about it. The Bible says for us to grow in hospitality. That means to be others-minded, not just thinking about yourself. This is a command. This is fruitful. Guys, you're gonna feed on the word of God. That's how you're gonna make it. You're gonna follow the shepherd. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You're gonna find your people. And the last thing I think Peter gives us here to be successful, fight the devil. He says, resist the devil. Stand steadfast in the faith. This is kind of cool. Jesus told Peter, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. And he got sifted. And he was strengthened, restored. And now Peter tells you and I, you know what I want you to do with the devil? Resist him. Don't run from him. A lot of us try and run, flee, take off. Yet the Bible says greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Do you not have the spirit of God living inside of you? Yeah, but I'm not perfect. We already covered that. Yeah, but I've got failure. Yeah, we know. If you have Jesus Christ in you, okay, there's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. Book of Ephesians tells us God gives us armor, okay? You only need armor for a war. And there is a war going on. Now, the first thing I wanna encourage you guys in today as we look at those four points in the next 25 minutes we have together is that Peter here is reaching out to the church and he's encouraging the pilgrims of the dispersion, we saw that in chapter one, to grow together as the church, to suffer well, to come together, to realize who they are. They're part of a different people group. They're part of an eternal pursuit. And there are lots of things in your life that are important right now, right? You guys have got important stuff right now? Important things going on? Spring's coming. How many of you guys got flowers to plant, man? That's important stuff right there. It's important, Lots of important stuff, but the most important things are things of eternity, not just things that are temporary. Listen, there are things that are eternal that when you participate now will not just bless you here, but will bless you forever. There are things that you will participate in here that will only bless you here. You know what I'm saying? You got those things? All kinds of things, so many things, and yet there are things now that will bless you eternally. There's also things here that you're a part of that are taking your attention, your time, your talent, your treasure, your days, your dollars, your deeds that bless you personally. Okay, they're just for you. I get it, we're Americans, it's what we do. There are also things that you do that you participate in that don't just bless you, but that bless others. Okay, the church of God is going to last forever and it's not just about you, but it's about others as well. So Peter encourages this church not to miss it. And can I just encourage you as your pastor? Be about these things. Take your best days, dollars, and deeds, your time, talent, and treasure, and invest them, not just for yourself, but for others, and not just for now, but forever. I mean, how many of you guys are fired up to live forever? Like, me? Me and, okay, seven of us. Okay, the rest of you? Please help. Please help, Lord. You're fired up, man. This life will soon pass. And only things done for Christ will last. As I get older and older, I'm like, dang, that's good news right there. Like, that is some good news. Because I don't want to miss it. Have you ever missed out on something, like, really important? Like, you just missed it. You totally missed the boat. Like, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know that was happening. Did you know that if you would have bought $100 in Bitcoin in 2010? 2010. $100 in Bitcoin and just left it there let it ride. Did you know you have $5 billion right now? Now, let's take it logically. If you had $100 in Bitcoin in 2010, when it jumped to $33,000, like most people, you would have pulled all that money out and had 33,000 bucks and bought a brand new car. Woo, look at me! You know, like most people. Or if you would have left it in there a little bit longer, when that 100 turned to $333,000, you would have pulled all that money out and you would have bought yourself a brand new house. Woo, look at me! Not Lincoln County, somewhere else though. Bought a brand new house. You know? <laughs> but if you would have just said, you know what, I'm just gonna... Let it ride. $5 billion, 100 bucks. There's a new one coming out. Dogecoin just came out in January. And if you would have bought $1,000 of Dogecoin in January, it'd be worth $50,000 today, just in four months, five months. Now, I'm not advising anybody buy any Bitcoin or Dogecoin. Hey, don't, don't get me wrong here. You do whatever. I'm just, cause my point is, I don't have any Bitcoin. I don't, I mean, I'm, not gonna, I'm not doing that. I'm investing in the kingdom of God. And its worth and value, okay, is not up and down. It is guaranteed. The kingdom of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. What you do for Christ will last forever. It will return with promise and with fruit and with value more and more and more. Did you guys read the five by five this morning? Trip out. Matthew 25, harsh words. Trip out. Matthew 24 and 25 are one breath of Jesus. And in Matthew 24, it begins this way. Jesus, his disciples say, hey, Jesus, and you check out the temple. That's very legit, dude. This temple is legit. It's banging hard. And Jesus goes into Matthew 24 and 25. And he looks at the temple and he says, nah, it's all going to fall apart in a couple of days. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And then Jesus prophesies about the things that matter most. And in chapter 25 he talks about when he returns there's going to be some people who are ready and ready and waiting and looking there's going to be other people who weren't ready weren't investing listen they missed it Those are harsh words every once in a while I get people from time to time say Luke that sermon was so good and it was fire Those same days I'll get emails from people saying don't make me cry pastor That hurt And I wonder sometimes I don't know, yeah, I don't know I tend to want to be told the truth. How about you? If I'm asleep, I tend to want to be woke up. How about you? Okay, if I, if, if I should have bought Dogecoin back in January, why didn't you tell me? You know what I mean? I didn't buy no Bitcoin in 2010. I didn't know there was such a thing. And yet Jesus Christ says, hey, don't miss it. My kingdom is coming. There's nothing that's going to stop it. And so what you guys need to do is to be about my business. One of the primary ways, one of the simplest things you could memorize to be about God's business is the word of God and prayer to God. Prayer is so simple, by the way. Prayer is simply talking to God on behalf of people. And when you're praying, you're talking to people on behalf of God. It's not that hard. And as you and I settle into being those priests and those servants that God calls us, men and women alike, he'll use us for greater things. Look at verse one of chapter five. I'm just gonna read this and It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am among a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, also partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Stop right there, Isaac, here. We've been studying this for three weeks now. Shepherd the flock of God literally means feed the flock of God. Give them the word of God. Make sure you're going to a church that teaches the word of God. Make sure you're a person that memorizes the word of God. Make sure you have some plans, some Bibles all around. One of the greatest things I did for my family, my three kids in the back was give them their own Bibles for Christmas two years ago. Real Bibles, not picture Bibles, real Bibles. This is your Bible. Get to know it, get to read it. And my kids have been doing that since then. Not perfectly, not consistently, okay? But they're doing that, it's their Bibles. I would encourage you, and i am put this mantle on you, be a person of the word, memorize scripture. Have you ever read the Bible early in the morning and then found yourself later on that day needing the exact verses that you were meditating on? Have you ever found yourself talking to somebody else and the same words that you were putting away in your heart were what was necessary to encourage them along their path? This is what God does for you and me. God sustains us through his word. The Bible says that his word is more precious to us than gold or silver or food or honey. It's kind of like when you go to Costco and you're super hungry and they got the samples out. You ever been there? Man, you're super hungry. Like All the samples, I'm not gonna die. Because if you don't get those samples, you're gonna buy everything you shouldn't buy at Costco, you know, And God gives us that satisfaction through his word. The longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119, and it's all about the Bible. Do you know that? In Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you when I go to Costco. (laughs) It says, I went astray, but now, Lord, I keep your word. How can a young man cleanse his word by taking heed to your word, Psalm 119. And I would just encourage you, it's not hard to share a verse with somebody. I think it was yesterday morning. I was making coffee in my kitchen, and my son, Nemo, he mentioned from the living room, hey, Dad, I was reading this morning in the Bible. There's a cool verse in Proverbs, and I was making my coffee. I said, okay, what verse is it? And he told me it's Proverbs 8.36, and he quoted it. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and all those who hate me love death. And I'm like, bro, I haven't had my coffee yet. Calm down, you know, (laughs) Nemo just dropping bombs on me in the morning. Wisdom from the Proverbs. And when you get into God's word, you ever felt like you don't have anything to share with people, you're inadequate, you're insufficient, you don't know enough. Hey, can I just say amen? You don't. That's why we get into God's word. The Bible says in Psalm 119, because of your word, I am more wise than my instructors. You who are high school students and going to college, check that out. You wanna have wisdom, wisdom of the ancients, get into God's word. Pray for people. Number one thing we're gonna do in order to be successful in this world and in this life when things are getting crazy, feed on God's word. Second thing we wanna do is to find our shepherd. Hear his voice. Keep your eyes on him. A lot of people get hurt in the church. Don't raise your hand, I'll be embarrassed. But have you ever been hurt by somebody in the church? Disappointed by a leader? Disappointed by some famous person, some singer, some author? Maybe even by a friend, maybe it was a mom or dad. They were Christians, and yet there were some hypocritical stances in their life. Okay, I guess that's going to happen. It's going to happen in the church. And yet, you and I, as we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, and the, the worship set was so cool this morning. It was so Jesus centric. It was all about Jesus. Like I was worshiping and just thinking, like the Jesus sign in the background and the Jesus, Jesus is all about Jesus. I was like, man, if you're visiting this church, I wonder if you know what we're all about. Jesus, right? It's Jesus. This will change everything in the way you view people, the way you undergo attacks and failures. The way you even respond and rebound to when when your shepherd, your pastor, your friend comes up short. Because it's not about the people around you, it's about Jesus Christ. He says, Not only should we focus on our shepherd, verse four, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Look at verse five. Here's some new territory. It says, likewise, you younger people submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Stop right there, eyes up here. Peter now, instead of talking to the elders, says, hey, I want you younger people, find some older people. This is a command. In order for you to navigate through a world that's going to be full of attacks, full of failures, full of mistakes, find some older people that will help you by sharing their attacks, their failures, and their mistakes with you. Okay, this is a hard thing to do, isn't it? Especially in our culture. Remember when you were younger and you looked at older people and you're like, man, those are the worst. Remember that? Now I'm like kind of in the middle, like I'm older, I'm like, I'm not that bad. Am I that bad? You know, and people call me old man, I got gray hair. I'm like, what happened? You know you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Because here's what happens when problems arise, difficulties show up, younger people don't get wiser, but younger people do tend to get louder, don't they? Don't younger people just start going crazy. We're seeing that in today's culture. Younger people rallying together, just getting louder. That's not necessarily wisdom. You need to surround yourself with older people that know what's going on. So I'm gonna call this find your people. Feed on the word, follow your shepherd, and find your people. Find some people that you can trust that will pour into you, not just tell you what you wanna hear, but what you need to hear, because they love you and they care for you. I'm gonna read it again. I want you to see this. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to to your elders. I remember the first time I met Crystal, my wife. She was up here singing today was 19 years old. I remember it was at a Bible study at my church. It was at a noon, a luncheon. And the reason I remember it is because she got out of her little Honda Civic and walked up the steps and walked into the luncheon and got in line. She had her King James Bible with her. And she just stood there all kind of just cute, you know? I was like, damn. <laughs> and, and as she just kind of mingled, she sat down with a bunch of older women. And I remember I noticed, I was like, wow, well, that's, that's weird. That's weird. And she was just hanging out, just holding her own. Just, she, wasn't, she was very mature for her age, very mature and very wise. And I just said, man, whoever gets that girl wins the lottery. That was me, by the way. And I just want to encourage you guys and gals, find some people that aren't just like you. Find some people that are older than you. Find some people that are different than you. Okay, this isn't easy. We're just going to call it find your people. Christianity is not meant to be done alone. It's not an isolation or a spectator sport, and in today's, school, well, I could preach this sermon before 2020, but right now, the church is isolated, isn't it? And we're all messed up. Not just the church. Everybody's messed up. It is whack out there, and here's the deal. Isolation will lead to desolation, either emotionally or even physically, and for sure, spiritually. You can't do this alone. There's people at home right now streaming online, haven't been back to church in over a year, and I get all the complexities. I understand all that, and we've made things kind of you know, soft and technology, and you can just stay home and stay safe, and all the rest. It's not meant to be done alone, though. Kind of like the great redwoods of California. Ever been to the redwood forest and seen those? Man, these things are huge. Did you know that redwood trees only grow in groves? They don't grow by themselves because they're one of the only trees that don't have a taproot. Most trees have a taproot that keeps them from blowing over. It goes down 30 or 40 feet the great redwoods don't have a taproot. Their root system only goes down about 10 feet, which is not very big for a huge tree, but they go down 10 feet and they go side to side 100 feet and they mingle with each other and they gain strength from each other. And when the windstorms come, they hold each other up. Isn't that incredible? You, You can't do this alone. It's not gonna be easy for you to find fellowship, to find people you trust, find people you can be honest with. It's never gonna be easy, so don't give up if it's been hard for you. I got invited to a life group on Wednesday. It was a surprise birthday party for Kathy Watkins, and so Mark invited me, and in. they hosted at their house, but it was being hosted at Greg and Carolyn's house, which are my neighbors, and so I said, well, that'd be easy, and so, so I went home, and I was a little bit late, so when I walked in, they'd already eaten and all that, but there was a little bit of prime rib for me, no big deal, and so I, I ate that, and so I was hanging out with them, just hearing them share stories. They were talking about their life group, and I was just a fly on the wall, just observing. He said, our life group's so awesome, because for years, people have been coming and going, and they started rattling off all the couples that don't live here anymore, and used to go, remember that, remember, and, and they would just love, they were just mentioning these couples, and then one of them said, you know what, finding a life group where you can trust people is very important, where you can hurt, and you can fail, and you can bleed, and in that life group, there's been a lot of pain, a lot of death, a lot of, a lot of loss. You could just see them having a meal together. We're not meant to do this alone. It's not easy, though. On Thursday, I dropped my boys off at youth group, And I had a busy day, and so my wife texted me. She said, hey, can we go out to dinner tonight? Well, the boys are at youth group, and me and Acacia will meet you at Newport Brewing Company. And so that's perfect. I'll be right there. And so I was a little late, and my daughter and my wife had already sat down and ordered, you know, a pretzel or something like that and some Cajun tots. Amazing. And so they're waiting. And as I was walking in there with my mask on, this couple was sitting down at Newport Brewing Company. They said, hey, Luke. And I walked by, and I looked at them and said, hey, I have no idea who you are. I actually waited about 90 seconds. I was like, do I even, have we met? And they said, no, we've never met you. We just watched the stream online. I was like, oh, whoa, nice to meet you. There you are, you know. And they were real cool. They were calm. And they'd been here since August. And they said, man, we just love the church. We've never been. We will. One day, we're gonna come. It's just been, there's so many complexities. And he had a bracelet on that said, he is greater than I. And he had a, a cross ring on. I knew these guys were Christians. They were Christians. They wanna, and I just, it was, here's how it went. I listened to him, I encouraged him, I challenged him, and then I prayed for him. And as I prayed for him, that took a moment of decision there, because I don't know if you've ever prayed for somebody at the Newport Brewing Company. You ever done that before? And let me just share the load. Wouldn't it be awesome as Christians if we just began to share and to pray and to care for everybody everywhere we were? Not long theological sermons and prayers and things that are gonna get people in trouble. Matter of fact, I got the guy at SuperSuds in trouble. Every time I go there, he drives my car off and I pray with him. He got in trouble with his manager because we spend too much time praying. So we got we to gotta pray with our eyes open while he's working still. And so I prayed for this couple, just encourage them. And I want you guys who are the church, who are investing in something that will not be stopped, do not miss out on the call that God has put on your life. Don't let your failures keep you on the sidelines. Don't let other distractions keep you from investing in the things that won't return void. Give and keep giving and serve. Find the people that God wants you to walk with. Last thing he tells us here in order that we might be successful. He says, verse six, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting your cares upon him for he cares for you. This is prayer. Prayer. Praying to God throughout your complexities. Praying to God throughout your trials. Praying to God throughout your struggles. Have you guys ever prayed before and the prayer didn't get answered the way you wanted? Okay, I told you that weeks ago. Every time you pray, it gets answered in one way or another. Yes, no, or not yet. Your prayers did get answered. You just didn't like the way it came back. Sometimes that causes us to be prayerless. We stop praying. Yet I'll remind you of what we learned a couple weeks ago. Prayer is many things, two of which are, number one, verbal processing, number two, a burden transfer. When you pray, you're processing verbally, figuring things out, talking to the Lord who loves you, who saved you. And as you talk it out, things may not change the way you want them to, but you figured something out and you came out different because you processed. Now you understand, you had a better grasp on what's going on. I tend to not pray in my life because I realize I know God knows everything. Why do I have to bring it to him? Because in that bringing it to him, I grow. Did you know that God also loves you? Like, believe it or not, he loves to hear your voice. Sometimes God will allow an affliction or a situation or a distress in your life. Listen, you're not going to like this. Sometimes he'll allow that just to give you an opportunity to cry out to him. because he knows that if you got every single thing you ever wanted, just like that, you wouldn't spend time with him. You wouldn't go to him if he didn't need comfort, didn't need counsel, didn't need correction. I love my kids. They're in the back there. They're talking right now to each other. I see you. And I love when my kids talk to me. I don't want my kids to have everything they need so they don't have to, can you imagine that as a parent? I'm just gonna give you everything you need so you don't talk to me anymore. I mean, there's times, right? You know, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? By and large though, I love my kids. How much more so does the Lord say, you know, I just love you, dude. But, but why am I in this situation? Ah, I kind of missed you. Now you're back, here with me. Deal with it. Let's walk together. But Lord, don't you understand? Could you just fix it? Of course I could. Of course I could but I'm growing in you something deeper. I'm making you to the man I want you to be. I'm changing you through this situation you're in. You want me to take it away. Just like Paul prayed, not once, not twice, but thrice. Lord, take this thorn away. Take this thorn away. Take this thorn away. And they'll say, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm doing something in you, Paul. I'm gonna make you a better man through this infirmity. So too, God's working in you through prayer. A couple weeks ago, we had a couple contact, my wife and I, that had gone through some devastation And and I I value this couple. I respect them. They, They know the word. They know the Lord. They know the kingdom. And it wasn't that my wife and I had anything to offer them that they didn't already know, but they wanted to get together and process. They wanted to hear what they already knew from somebody else. Nothing changed after our meeting except the burden had been transferred to the Lord. The processing of what we believe and what we're going through had been done. And they left feeling refreshed, casting all your cares upon the Lord, knowing he cares for you. I exhort you? Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Yeah, but I prayed once. It didn't work. Really? Okay. Pray again. Pray again. Maybe he's doing the work in you instead of doing the work for you. Maybe it's not outside. Maybe it's inside. All right. All right. Casting all your cares on him, knowing he cares for you. Be sober, verse 8. Be vigilant. This means to be woke. Not like the world's woke, but to be woke. There's something going on. Be vigilant. Don't let your guard down. Why? He says, "Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world." Stop right there, eyes up here. You guys are going to be attacked. It's just the way it is. It's not going to be easy for you. It's not going to be easy for anybody. Okay, there's rockets flying through the sky. It's just the way it is. Deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Dogecoin, it's fake. Don't even think about it. Like people are, it's just crazy. What he tells us to do, though. He tells us to resist the devil, to fight. The same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You ever feel like you're the only one? You ever feel like you're the only one suffering, the only one being misunderstood, the only one coming up short, the only one that feels you? Peter says, no, dude. Everybody's going through something. One of the enemy's strategies and tactics is to get you to think you're the only one, okay? Not only are you not the only one, but it's not about you. Resist the enemy, steadfast in the faith. Here's the thing about the devil, he's real, Satan is real, demons are real, okay, and they're real bad, but they're also really defeated, they've already been defeated, the power of sin has been broken, the penalty of sin has been paid, okay, the presence of sin will be done away with eventually, right now we're in the war though, and you and I are to resist. Oftentimes we find ourselves fleeing from the enemy when reality is we're to resist him, draw near to the Lord, and he flees from us. I don't know how you look at the devil, okay? I'm not trying to be friends with them or like get close to him. I don't wanna mess with them. But I also don't wanna walk in fear of him. Resist means to fight. And when you post up and fight the enemy, steadfast in the faith, the Bible says that he will flee. Jesus said it this way, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Matthew 16. The gates, of, gates are meant to keep people out, okay? Which means the church is on the offense, not the defense, We're not retreating. We're advancing. We're going into the gates of hell, snatching people out. When we resist the devil, he flees. You're you're in charge. You have Christ in you? What? You're made in the image of God? You're a son of God? You're a daughter of God? Resist the devil. By the way, resist is an offensive word. Fight back. I feel tempted. I feel pulled. I feel attacked every single day. Let me give you two ways to fight back, two ways to resist. When you feel tempted, when you are defeated, when you are tried, here's what I want you to do. I want you to respond with resisting, and here's how. I want you to pray for me. Pray for Luke Frechette, okay? And then pick five more people in your life that you love that need you to fight for them. Check this out. Imagine if you did this. Let's say you feel tempted. Look at something you shouldn't be looking at. Think something you shouldn't think do something you shouldn't do. Participate in something you shouldn't participate in. And at that moment, you go, all right, I see you, devil. I pray you'd bless Pastor Luke, Lord. I pray you'd give him power and anointing. I pray that he'd lead someone to Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I want to pray for my mom. I want to pray for my dad. I want to pray for my brother. I want to pray for my sister. I want to pray for my wife. I want to pray for my husband. I want to pray for my son. I want to pray for... And all of a sudden, you start praying for people, and the devil's like, whoa, 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 stop. What are you doing? You know, And every time you get attacked, you go on the offense and start praying for Pastor Luke and some other people, guess what? Eventually, the devil's going to leave you alone. He's not going to keep poking you in the eye because every time you poke him in the eye, you start praying for people. What if we did this? I mean, don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys get attacked every single day and you just sit there and take it and you fight and you resist and you get all sloppy and all weird and all exhausted and you're over in the corner crying, you didn't do nothing? You know what I'm saying? What if you're like, nah, dude? I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna go on the offensive. Do you know what Jesus did when he was attacked for 40 days? Jesus not only prayed, but he quoted scripture. This is so cool. Jesus was attacked and tempted for 40 days. And every time he was attacked and tempted, he quoted a verse out of the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, must've been where Jesus was having his morning devotions. Like, I'm in Deuteronomy, you know? And he starts quoting Deuteronomy. Can you imagine if the devil came to you and attacked you and instantly you prayed for somebody and then gave the Bible or gave the devil a Bible study? You're like, you know what? I feel that temptation. That reminds me of a verse in Romans. Let me explain it to you, devil. You know? And you start just, just start quoting scripture to the devil. What if you did that? He would flee. And you would bear fruit. Because this is how are you gonna do this? How are you gonna make it? The church, this is Peter writing to the church. He's a failure, he's been restored, he's now given instruction. This is how we're gonna be successful in this life. Feed yourself on the word of God. Okay? Follow the shepherd. Find your people. You can't do it alone. If you've been doing this alone, man, repent. Pour into somebody. Reach out to people. Pray for them. Make yourself available. And resist the devil. How? Through prayer, through scripture, standing firm in the faith. As he goes on in verse 9, he says, But may the God of all grace, verse 10, who called us to his eternal glory, By Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Verse 10 is worth just memorizing. But it's gonna be tough. There's gonna be a devil. There's gonna be resistance. But may the God of all grace comfort you and settle you and strengthen you and establish you. It's all grace. You guys know that, right? Why is the church of God not gonna be stopped? Because it's all grace. It has nothing to do with you or me. God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ has paid for it all. It's not going to be stopped because it's been fully funded. Peter knows that. Peter was a total failure. He's like, hey, you know how we're gonna do this? Grace, the God of all grace, will be able to do all these things for you. Verse 11, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. Guys, this is a game changer for me when I figure out what my life's all about. It's not about me. You see, this is church where we're to be equipped for the ministry. You guys are going to go out into the highways, the byways. You're going to go out into the schools. You're going to go out into the gyms. You're going to go out to the grocery stores. You're going to go out to your place of business. You're going to go out there and do stuff. You have a decision to make every single day. Do I want to live for my glory or his? Do I want to live for my kingdom or his kingdom? Last week, I got a text message from a friend of mine. He's putting together a men's conference on a Saturday in June, and he asked me to come be the speaker. And I'm like, ah, it's a commitment. I got to drive down. I got to travel in a lot. and just I like this guy. He's a friend of mine. And so he kept telling me, hey, can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? And this morning he texted me as I was driving here from my house. Hey, I'm making announcements today. Can I say you're the guest speaker or not, bro? (laughs) And I just kind of took a breath. I said, let's do it. FTK. He's all, what's that mean? I was like, for the king. For the king, man. And I have to talk myself off the ledge sometimes of smallness and selfishness and laziness. Don't be lazy for the king. Don't be selfish for the king. Don't miss it. I've missed plenty of things in my life, man. I'm tired of it. Go all in. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He ends with some heartfelt salutations. Verse 12. By Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God which you stand. She who is in Babylon elect together with you greets you. And so does my son, Mark. Yes, he mentions Sylvanus. He mentions Mark. He mentions the church there in Babylon, Rome, code word for Rome. Back to the whole idea of finding your people. Sylvanus, I don't know Sylvanus. We know Mark, John Mark. He wrote the book of Mark. He was on Paul's first missionary journey. And here Peter's saying, Hey, man, I just love Mark. Did you know that if you're a Christian, okay? You have gained 100-fold and beyond brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, houses and homes. Do you know you're not alone? Not only will you find your people, you're gonna find your family. You ever done this before? You ever been traveling around the world or maybe somewhere and you see somebody with a WWJD bracelet or a Jesus real shirt, you're like, oh, oh, Christian, oh, oh, you're, you're a believer. And instantly you're just like, dude, no way, trip out so cool, man. I don't even like you, but I love you. And the reality is, you're gonna find your family. You're gonna find your friends. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus, amen. Guys, people have been asking what we're gonna study after we finish 1 Peter. What do you guys think? 2 Peter. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Thank you, Darcy. And I wanna encourage you guys. The kingdom of Jesus Christ will not be stopped. This is true, okay? Your place of business one day will close down. It'll, it'll, just, it'll go bankrupt. It'll, it'll liquidate. It won't continue. Family heritage will stop. Your aspirations, your hobbies, they, they, they won't last forever. It's gonna be done. Your investment, your time, into what you're concerned about, what you're doing here on earth, it won't be there forever. It'll stop. But the things of Jesus Christ will never stop. It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, would you please anoint us to have clarity in these days of rockets flying, of countries self-destructing, Of all kinds of pain that we're self inflicting and all kinds of confusion. Would you anoint us in Jesus' name, Lord, to be men and women of your word? Your word is perfect. Lord, it's been refined in the fire seven times over. There's nothing wrong with it. It produces life, it restores our soul, it guides our path, and it guides our feet. Lord, you give us that desire for your word. If you want a greater desire for his word, would you just nod right now and say, Yeah, Lord? Make me one who desires your word. Maybe you're here this morning and you desire his word, but you're not disciplined. You're lazy and you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram or you're doing other things too much. You see, what am I doing? Lord, would you anoint us to want your word, to understand your word, to know your word, to be people of word and prayer. Lord, just like my kids prayed for me last night. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, you would do that for us. And Lord, your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Lead us, we ask. Forgive us of our sins. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to get on fire for the Lord, but you're still struggling with your inadequacies, your failures. Would you just have a meal with the Lord? Let him restore you. Maybe even today it's over. You're just restored. You're restored in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus Christ, there's nothing more for you to do. He's done it all. Confess that sin. Cast your cares upon him, knowing he cares for you in Jesus' name. It's time to get after it. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those who need to find their people those who just don't have any fellowship, no one to pour into them and no one for them to pour into. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you help us to find our people? Would you help us, Lord, in fighting the devil? I pray against the devil in Jesus' name, against all the lies, all the confusion, all the fatigue, all the failure. I pray against that in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you'd hedge your protection around us. You'd build us up, cause us to be those warriors for Christ, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, that belt of truth, Lord. The feet of the gospel, the shield of the spirit, shield of faith, Lord, and that sword of the spirit. Would you bless us? I thank you for the Sunday school kids, Lord, have so much fun. Would they be blessed today? Grow your word within us, Lord. Lead us, we pray. Thank you again for all the moms here today. I pray for all those who have a, a hurt heart. Maybe they're missing their mom. Maybe there's some sort of pain. Would you bless them? And help us to have the same energy those kids do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.